This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Jerry Peters and First Class Mortgage. Our expertise, your peace of mind. Visit us at firstclassmortgage.com. Now, here's Jupe and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL Podcast, episode number 166. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm a little bit under the weather and it sounds like, Viggs, you're a little bit under the weather as well. It's, it's just a little that time bit of year. A lot of hockey day in Minnesota activities, a lot of outdoor hockey the last yeah. couple of days. So, you know, I'm not 100% day to day. You know, luckily the weather's perking up here. It looks like it's going to be in 30s for the next week, which is nice. Things start getting melting and... Hopefully moving towards spring, not like a February like we had last year. Hopefully it's a little better. <clears throat> but we, we have a guest again tonight. We've got Paul Caponegri joining us from the Big Ten Network, former OSU Buckeye. And his weather situation's a little different, isn't it? <laughs> I, I guess. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm down here. I, guys, how we doing? Uh, down in Florida for a couple days. Uh, trying to enjoy it, but it is a little chilly for down here. You know, you're saying the 30s there. Well. 30s there is like, I don't know, like 30s in January in Minneapolis is probably like 80 down here. You know? <laughs> so I guess, you know, being 50 down here right now is quite surprising. You know, you're looking at palm trees and see and having 50 degrees is, a, is an odd thing. Oh, man, we just we feel so sorry for you. <laughs> oh, it's cold weather. It's just ruining your sorry, vacation. Guys. Sorry, guys. I'll try, to, I'll, try to, I'll try to cheer up for you. It's some good weather back up north in the later in the week. Well, it's winter. We expect it here. And I actually have had a lot of friends visiting Florida the last couple of weeks when it was a little nicer. So I'm I'm so sad it's bad for you. So that's just just, just too bad. <laughs> hey, I mean, I, Chicago's the same way. I'll be back there in a couple of days. And they're expecting, you know, mid-30s. And, like, you know, last year was ridiculous around this time. So it 30s was. in January is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Last year in late January, it was 25 below zero. So yeah, it's no hard to complain. Um, well, you know uh, – you know, we took the last week off because the Gophers had, you know, an exhibition game. And the previous to that, you know, the Gophers were at Michigan State. And, uh, boy, Viggs, I know you love the part about, you know, a split on the road. But um, it still concerns me, um, the the effort that's happening on Friday nights with this team. It's still just not great. Win or lose, the, the effort is just just not there yet. Yeah, and I think that's part of it being a young roster. You know, there's a lot of inexperienced players out there who just don't understand the grind that they're going to get night in and night out. And sometimes it's taken this team a couple periods on Friday night to figure that out. And I think part of that is having a lack of veteran seniors who've been through it before. Last year, you know, there are a lot of returning players who knew what to expect every night. And this year's team, there's not quite as many of them. And we saw that on Friday where... They did not play very well for the first 40 minutes and built too big of a hole to come back out of. Uh, Cappy, you and I were kind of messaging back and forth that night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think you're kind of more of the feeling that, that I am, that you thought that uh, Gophers, they should be a little further along than they are right now. Well, I, I, I think at this, you're in the second half now, right? You got home, you're, you're, everyone's back, you're not... You, 
you say you're not freshman anymore to a certain extent. You know what to expect a little bit. It's not perfect. It's not a guarantee, but you should learn a few lessons from the first half and and something like that. They had a great weekend coming out of the holidays. They dominated in two teams that, you know, Bemidji's a pretty tough team and St. Cloud just swept Duluth. So, mm-hmm. you know, and they beat them pretty handily, you know, both games. And I think it's handling now it's maybe, oh, we had some success. How do we handle it? And they clearly didn't handle it well. Having two in a row, it's like, wow, okay, now we're in just, it's just going to happen. Maybe that's the final kind of piece to getting over the hump on that. Some experience, okay, we had a little success, but we did not respond well to it the next Friday. We got to learn one more lesson from that. And and to even go further on that Friday night, you know, Viggs, you did say, you know, that third period they did play well, but, you know, they were kind of on the power play a lot for the third period. Ended up, did end up out shooting Michigan State that that game. Um, but before that, I, what they have, eight, nine shots for the game through two periods? It was... I think, I think it might have been worse than that. It, it, it was but, bad. But I think we've seen that this year with this team where the defensemen are very passive and they have a hard time getting themselves involved in the game. And I think it's a little bit because the upperclassmen who play defense have struggled at times, so maybe they're pulling themselves back and you have these freshmen who are still trying to integrate themselves in the team. And I think when we saw them play St. Cloud State, that was the best they had done at getting into the offense and starting the transition and playing confidently. But it went back to square one again in the Michigan State series. Yeah. Yeah, it was ugly. <laughs> yeah, I think on that one, I can uh, I can remember. I think when I messaged you, it was early in the third period, and the <laughs> shots I think were eighteen to seven. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> so that's I think that was that's where I can remember that one to the to that point. But as, as from then on, yes, they did play much better. But well, know, they had a couple five on threes, and they they were on the power play for quite a while. So right, a lot of so that it's, period. It's, so it's a matter of bringing it. Yes, bringing it for the full 60, and that's going to be a continuous message, I'm sure, that Coach Motzko is relaying to the team now. I do think it's interesting with this team how patient Coach Motzko is being with them, though. Right. Power play hasn't exactly lit the world on fire, but he's giving them lots of opportunities to find some, some cohesiveness. The lines... You know, sometimes they're not impressing, and he changes things up on Friday, but he goes back to what's comfortable late in that game on Friday or, or into Saturday, and he's just giving these guys a lot of opportunity to grow, and it it's almost like he is treating this like a year zero. You know, a lot of people gave P.J. Flack a hard time about that when he took over the gopher football job, treating that first year as a year zero. Well, for Bob, he lost most of his team after the first year. So this is really like a year zero and he's just trying to let these kids have an opportunity to grow and develop. But, but it does seems like he, he may not show it so much, but I'm guessing he is a little frustrated with those Friday performances. You know, I do recall um, listening Saturday night to, to the Frank and Wally and they said that, uh, <laughs> the, that uh, Monsko actually walked back to the hotel after the game Friday night, just kind of clear his head and just <laughs> kind of say, I need to be away from these guys just for a little bit so I don't kill them. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's been that way a couple times this year where he's like, you know, old coach has to watch himself on Friday night or <laughs> going too hard after these guys. Well, <laughs> Go well, ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of on that one. I think, you know, 
it's not, I think execution is something, yes, you're, you, young guys can make mistakes. I think, though, any age of any player effort and being hard on pucks and that kind of stuff is something that you can do at any age, whether you're young or not. You know, you, you excuse the guy that, you know, is a little too aggressive on the forecheck or, you know, mental stuff more. But I think it's it's you want to compete and clearly you're getting seven shots and in, in, in two periods or less. It's it's clearly, you know, compete because you could see it the next night when they were physically just dominating and forechecking hard and they were, you know, out, out muscling or, you know, taking it to Michigan State, a team that was a veteran team who knew they were going to come harder and they still didn't have an answer for it really so i think it's it you got to be a little frustrated with the the maybe not bringing the you know the, the physical part of it day in and day out you can deal with the young mental mistakes it's at this point of being the not being physically ready and, and v's that, that's got to be kind of part of what moscow's got to really ingrain into these guys like if you don't work you're gonna lose and when you do work you have really good success yeah, and I think the coach is struggling with how hard to push this team. He's kind of talked a couple times about how there's a couple ways to coach. You can coach with a feather, you can coach with a stick, or you can coach with a two-by-four. <laughs> and too many times Saturday morning he's having to coach with a two-by-four. <laughs> and they always seem to respond that next night, so it's hard to take too many lessons away, but you can't be a – successful hockey team a tournament hockey team and and need that kind of motivation every weekend so we've got a couple more weekends here to see what's going to happen with this program but i think you know he's going to give them an opportunity to grow out of it because they have responded every saturday after a stinker friday but they just can't be doing that every weekend and, and then cappy you look on the flip side you, you look at a michigan state team that's just been at the bottom of the league for quite a few years now and yep. they have turned it around quite nicely. They've, you know, they're an older team; they're more veteran, but they've really started to put it together here. And that wasn't really expected, at least by uh, by the other coaches and the other you know, other people out there. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, they didn't. They added a couple freshmen who have, you know, play and, and, and they're solid contributors. Uh, Dakota Joshua's younger brother. Uh, Jager has been pretty good, but nobody's standing out like a, a, you know, a top freshman year, but, and you lost your best player, you know, and Tara Hirose. Yeah. Um, but right now I think you didn't lose much else. So everyone's a little older, a ton of seniors on their last, you know, year at it. And I, I kind of, I think I've mentioned this, uh, about, uh, their goalie, John Letheman, and it's happened a few times in big 10 that I can think of. And I'm sure other, other places that a senior that not comes out of nowhere, but hasn't had a great career, but then all of a sudden uh, just turns it to a different level their senior year and is phenomenal, has become, and he's become, you could say, the, the best goalie arguably in the league at staying statistic-wise. And you get a goaltender like that with those things, I think it just builds, you know, I can see this from experience and about a million hockey players can do it. You see a goalie that you have trust back there like that. It just gives everybody else in the lineup just that much more confidence to play well. Um, you know, arguably with quarterback, the most important position, and mm-hmm. he's been fantastic for Michigan State. And and, and going off that, uh, Viggs, it, you know, it tends to free up the other players in front when you've got a guy you can rely on back there like that. It 
it you know it just relaxes everybody and you just step up your game all the way around yeah and you can play a little more aggressive you're not so worried about taking penalties because you know if you're on the kill you've got your best penalty killer between the pipes so you can play aggressive and you can play hard and that just translates into being a difficult team to play against and credit to the spartans for turning things around they were picked last by the coaches I don't think the expectations were very high for them, but they've got some skill in their top line and they've got enough depth where they're a tough team to play against. Yeah, and they're just a point out of first place, folks. Um, Michigan State is back on the map. So, uh, it's you know, I, I actually like to see this, Vegas, because, you know, you know, we had the college hockey showcase for all those years. Michigan State had some good teams in there. I, they won a national title, but, I mean, they were in – Kind of in between. They weren't bad. They weren't always great, but you know they were always a solid team. And then ever since the Big Ten League came, uh, Viggs, they just really haven't performed. Well, and I think when you have a coaching transition in college hockey, it takes a couple of years for them to to get their players and grow their roster the way they want it. And uh, they've done a tremendous job turning things around. And it's just better for the league all around. So uh, I'm looking forward to a resurgent. Michigan State. Well, we've got a, we got some questions for some people, and I've got some topics I'd like to get into with Cappy. But uh, first, let's hear from our sponsor. There has never been a better time to buy or refinance. So call Jerry Peters of First Class Mortgage in Maple Grove for all your mortgage needs. Interest rates are at a near all-time lows, and property values are on the rise. Lower your interest rate and remove monthly PMI at the same time to save thousands of dollars. Or, you know, you could use the equity in your home for debt consolidation or home improvements. The spring housing market is going to be hot, so make sure you're prepared by getting a pre-approved letter from Jerry Peters before you start shopping. Mention you heard about him on the GPL podcast and receive a $300 closing credit. Some restrictions do apply. Call Jerry at 612-940-3291 or visit firstclassmortgage.com to fill out a free application. Jerry's NMLS number is 480200. First Class Mortgage's NMLS number is 322842. This is not an offer to lock in an interest rate agreement under Minnesota law. First Class Mortgage is an equal housing lender. All right, well, we got Tim Hapke always throwing us questions on Twitter, and he's actually got some specifically for you, Paul. So uh, <clears throat> let me throw this okay. at you. He goes, a couple questions for Paul. Number one, any Mike Hastings stories at Omaha? Oh God! We, 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 we could do it all. We could do a separate podcast. Yeah, that, that was kind of a loaded question. Yeah, I mean, I three years with him in uh, in uh, Omaha, which I believe I played the most games for him under any player, uh, <laughs> or close to. I'm right there. But uh, I'll say this: you know, uh, tough coach, but a great coach. He, I I I have a good story, kind of post. Um, Omaha, my first year out, I'm playing for the Buckeyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our playoff series in uh, in Omaha, playing against UNO in the first round. And I'd had a pretty good freshman year. And uh, that night, we, we ended up going to three games. So we were playing the Sunday night game. And so all my friends that had played on Omaha last year, all the players were there because they were off on a Sunday. They were able to come to the game. And I had a good game, had a couple goals. I had a tying goal with about... 30 seconds left to send it to overtime. We ended up losing the game. Oh, uh, but after the game, the players weren't there because of curfew, obviously in the USHL. 
Um, but coach uh, Mike Hastings was down in the, in the, uh, under, under, under the stands waiting. And, you know, I came out and the first thing I said to him was, thank you. And he looks at me with this like kind of confused look on his face. And he's like, and I said, thank you. You, you made the transition to college hockey, not easy, but great. I, you know, I just thanked him for preparing me for what college was going to be like in, in hockey. And, uh, he just kind of was a little shocked and then uh, <laughs> smiled and we just had a good laugh and a good meeting. But uh, that was kind of the gist on that. And I'll tell you one other thing is he is the funniest storyteller I have ever met in my entire life. I would agree with that. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had the opportunity of uh, spending an evening with him after a game when he was an assistant coach here and uh, – I don't think the laughs ever stopped. It was just just rolling the whole night. My stomach was in pain. Um, yeah. And, and on top yeah. of that, I mean, he's really hitting a stride there at Minnesota State. I mean, my goodness, that's a great team. And, and he's really put it together. And they still need to get that NCAA win. But, boy, are they in the, going in the right direction down there. Yeah, he's – I mean, I you know, it's been a long time, but I still can remember everything – you know, there were a lot of times that he would drive me crazy because he was hard on me. But you know what? That it, I can't even. He made he made college practices seem like country club, but in a good way that he prepared me for it, and it was it it did nothing but great things for me. And, and, I've kind of heard this a few times that sometimes going from high school or you know club team to juniors is a tough transition because these coaches have all this time to work with players. Is that kind of true for you when you went to the USHL where all of a sudden there's all this ice time and expectation of, of almost being a pro as a young kid? I think, yeah. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, I, at the time I was 18, so I was out of high school. So, you know, our job was to get a little job on the side in the morning. But, you know, our life and our – you were a pro hockey player at a certain point because hockey was your world and that you were trying to get to the next level. So that was – it was so big a part of your life. And then if you, I think the jump is much harder from like from midgets or, you know, I played team Illinois, triple a going to junior than it was junior to college. I think the gap is much bigger, you know, just because the play, it just, it's every, most guys in the USHL are going to college, you mm-hmm. know, most half of your triple a teammates aren't, you know, going juniors and college. So, um, but yeah, I, it, it was a, uh, and plus, as, even as an 18 year old, this is, you know, 20 years ago, uh, uh, in the USH, I was 18. I was the third youngest guy on our team. So oh, we, boy. you know, the stats <laughs> changed a lot too, in terms of how many older players you have and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but yeah, I, oof, USHL getting there was the, by hard, the biggest step I took in, in hockey was the hardest was AAA to USHL. Did, did Hastings kind of give you an introduction, like this is what I'm expecting, like right away, or did he kind of let you warm up to him at first? Oh, no, I just think you, when we got there, I think you just put your head down and tried to blend in. And <laughs> I mean, shoot, the first couple of weeks, we weren't even on the ice yet. And I, my, I mean, me and uh, my, my roommate, my good friend, both came from Team Illinois. His name was Kevin Spiewak. He ended up playing at University of North Dakota. And I think oh, we, yeah. we were living together and we must have went through like 20 boxes of Advil 
because our, our bodies were so sore after these workouts and these <laughs> off ice training. And it was just like a shock to your system, uh, that you were not, you know, in Kansas anymore, you know, uh, that this was real. And this is, this was like a treated, like a job, like you kind of said that, uh, whew, it was, uh, it was tough, but, uh, it made, it made me a good, uh, stronger man and hockey player. That's for sure. And Viggs, you know, you, you talk about the, you know, how the juniors are today compared to when Cappy, I mean, Cappy's saying he's the third youngest guy in this team. Boy, it's a lot different now. It's, they're a lot younger in the USHL now. Well, I think the USHL is growing more as a developmental league yeah. rather than kind of a post high school league. Yep. I think back then it was more, you know, if you're done with high school and you weren't quite ready for college, juniors was kind of the route where kids would still go straight from high school to college. Now there's a lot of 16, 17 year olds in the league. Yeah, it's I, and, and I, and I like that. Um, but I also think, and we're looking at it right now and in, in the, in the battle with how things are evolving in college and what teams are having success are these, you know, the, the, the Minnesota States and what, and, Duluth that have some older players. I think it's, it's, you know, and I think coach Moscow is trying to find a happy medium there, but it's tough when you got these guys going into the USHL at 16 and 17, and that might be even a little too early for them. And then hence they're getting on to college, maybe a year earlier than they need to because of someone else might take them or, you know, they might commit somewhere else. And I think, you know, obviously the rule change here coming down in terms of recruiting is, is going to help, but it's just, you know, it's the pressure of, Hey, I got my scholarship. I'm going to go. And I think a lot of times it, it, it benefits to be a 19 year old freshman sometimes. Um, and not everybody, obviously there's plenty of guys at 18 that are dominant, but I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that rule change and just the evolution of it all. It's getting very young and, you know, that's, I think, what is making the parody so great in college hockey. Well, parody is definitely where college hockey is right now. <clears throat> we've seen, you know, in this last decade, we've seen quite a few, you know, new schools or new NCAA champions that we have not had before. And then, obviously, you've got somebody like Duluth that didn't win one for their entire, you know, history. And then they've won three in the last 10 years, Vig. So, uh, the, the, the tide has definitely changed for that kind of recruiting, you know, a little bit older. Um, and it's just, well, and I think it, that's something that the Gophers are going through right now. We just looked at their latest commitment, Carl Fish, who's a St. Paul Johnson kid who's played a couple years of junior, and he'll be coming at some point here. As Bob tries to balance out his roster, I don't think he planned to have the second youngest roster in college hockey. He would like to have – some more veteran players back there to rely on because they can be more consistent. You know, these young kids, you know, they have a lot of talent, but they just don't have the consistency to their game to compare to someone who's played 180 junior games. Sure. And that's timing too, right? When he comes in, you, you're kind of dealt the classes you're dealt with and they had a huge, you know, senior class last year. So you're, you know, you have to bring in young players because you got to replace these guys. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, it'll, it'll slowly kind of work itself out. And I think any coach would tell you, they'd love to have like six, six or seven of each class instead of having threes and nines and all that kind of stuff spread out. But you know, the way it is now with guys leaving early and whatnot, just, there's no way to perfect that art. 
And I'm sure as a coach, you'd love to have more guys like Ben Myers coming in as 20 year old freshmen. Perfect example right there. And he looks like, you know, he stepped in and it took a few games, but now he looks like a, you know, a veteran guy with, you know, you know, some maturity, you know, maybe not the experience at college level, but just the, you know, he's played a lot of games against some uh, older players and, and knows what to expect a little more often. And I just think his maturity makes sense when you see him on the ice. He understands game situations so much more than the younger players about shift length, who he's out against, when there's a place where he needs to make a puck possession play versus where he can make a skill play. He's much better on uh, puck retrievals. And those are all things that come with time. Right. Right. And that, you know, and he doesn't, he's kind of creating that on his own and he's going to eventually be a great leader in terms of when two year a year from now and two years from now, a guy's come in and see how he handles it. He's going to be the junior that these, there's going to be maybe a little more of a mirror to look at. This is, this is the guy, this is the way we got to do it. All right. Well, we have another question from a uh, Ted Schmanke who uh, sent us one yesterday. It was a little confusing, but I basically, the, the gist of it is uh, he says he really likes how, you know, the college handles uh, hits to the head uh, but he, he seemed to be a little concerned on how the NHL isn't quite the same. Um, how do you think the NHL should be handling this type of, you know, the more violent hits? Are they doing the right thing? Are they should they maybe go more towards the college rule there, Viggs? It's really hard. There's so much ingrained in the pro game with the with the hard hitting and physical play. And just the Canadian perspective, I think, on everything and the, the power <laughs> of who's controlling the game. Because you'll you'll see scouts shake their heads at what's called in the college game. They're they're completely different. I think for the amateur game, you want to protect the players as much as you can. And I think college players do a really good job of adjusting to that. Uh, I think it's going to be hard to translate that completely in NHL. They've taken their player safety way uh, more seriously the last couple of years. I think fighting is diminished in the game, which is a good thing. You've seen less enforcers in the game because everybody needs to skate now. And it's encouraging for the evolution of hockey, but I just, I think there's always going to be that little bit of difference. Well, Cappy, you know, we, we're the, the only thing is, you know, college is really trying to get rid of this stuff. And then we're still seeing plays that, you know, some of these kids are doing. I'm like, what are you thinking here? I mean, we had, you know, I don't recall his name, but the North Dakota player actually was the kid on the USA team, wasn't it? Who basically just cross-checked a kid in, on the back of his head in front of a goal. Uh, he was given the boot, but it, it just seems like, it just seems like maybe it's not enough. Maybe the college needs to be a little stricter. Well, I I can go back. I don't know if you guys caught any of this, but I think you were, uh, Jupiter, you were mentioned you were watching the Wisconsin-Ohio State game that was on. Yep. Uh, ESPNU, the Friday night game, and there were three hits mm-hmm. uh, on from Wisconsin. You know, it could have went either way, but it happened to be Wisconsin guys on Ohio State guys. Two of them that got reviewed. One was an ejection, and I think the third one that didn't even get reviewed was maybe the worst one was on Tanner Lazinski in the first period on a shot where he came through and a guy's shoulder came in and, and whipped his head back. You know, it was pretty mm-hmm. blatant. But, uh, you know, I and, and two of those aren't called. But the one on Meyer, I think it was Donovan, big guy, maybe not a headshot. But uh, I and then I think 
Weisbach got the one game suspension. I mean, he, he broke a guy's neck. I mean, the, that guy <laughs> won't play hockey yeah. the rest of the year. Luckily, CJ Regula is okay and, and he will play hockey again, but he's in a, he's got a brace on his neck and, and I'm sure Linus Weisbach, he's one of the, you know, he's got barely any penalty minutes, but you got to send a message, not, not just to him, but to everyone else. And I don't know. I think that's pretty important uh, when something like that happens. It's sending a message maybe to the whole league too. In fact, you know, when you see it like that and he only gets one game suspension, you're kind of like, Oh, okay. Well, that's not so, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. going to try to do that, but if I do it by, you know, and, and I don't know, it's, it's tough when you watch a bunch of plays like that in one game and see that. So I could see, you know, college needing to be a little more consistent and maybe a little harsher. Viggs, any more thoughts on that? I heard you kind of hemming and hawing there. <laughs> well, I completely agree. I, I mean, that has no place in the game. You almost want to see a coach sit his own player for doing something like that. Yeah. It, it yeah. should send a message to your team that that's unacceptable, especially for college hockey. One thing I was going to ask Paul was, yeah. you know, you, you played a bunch of years of minor hockey, you know, in the ECHL and, and such. That's kind of a different game. And entirely for physical play. What, what was like that for a transition for you? Well, I think the biggest thing that pro, I mean, in college, you, you're playing these two games every, every weekend and it's super intense and everybody is go, go, go. There's a little less structure. It's a little faster because not so much the, the speed of the players, but everyone's going and attacking more. When you get into the pro level, even in the East coast league, it's, you know, it's a longer grind. The schedule's tough. And you play a little more of a passive structured game. There's a little less, uh, you know, speed going. You're not just going in a thousand miles an hour on the forecheck all the time. So I actually think like there was a little less uh, of those kind of hits because of that, you know, and uh, there's a little less reckless play in pro hockey, I think, uh, day in and day out. Now, obviously playoffs and when, you know, the occasional regular season game things did get ramped up, but I think consistently in college with there being such a short schedule, you're playing one team every weekend, two times, and that's it. So it is go, go, go all the time. I think that was a big difference um, between the games. Well, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, players, if you cost your team a penalty, it costs you a game. Uh, maybe there needs to be a little more internal punishment. Like uh, maybe the coach does need to sit the player, um, just to kind of wake him up. Well, I, I think it also costs your team discipline-wise if you're getting yeah. all these penalties. You know, but they're not super bad, but they're costing you the game. You know, yep. you're going on the penalty kill for five minutes, or you're getting other penalties. You know, maybe it's not enough message just, oh, you're sitting in a box. Maybe you got to sit one of your best players and say, hey, I got to send a message and you got to sit another game or two because we can't consistently. I need everyone to get on my page and it's Mm -hmm. not happening if my best player is doing it and I let him slide. And and that could be any team. That's just a message, I think, for anybody to to send to their players. It's tough to do, though. You don't have so only have so many games in college hockey. I know there's a Glenn Mason saying that, you know, whatever I do as a coach, I'm going to make sure it doesn't hurt me. 
<laughs> so when you sit your best player to, to send a message, it, it's going to hurt the coach. I know Jess in our Mixler chat suggested sitting the coach too. <laughs> I, I think fines for coaches for reckless conduct by their players goes a long way. We saw in the NHL, you know, the coaches would get fined if there was something that happened at the end of a third period of five minutes to go. I'm not opposed to seeing some sort of measure being taken against coaches if their players are reckless. Uh, I think that's maybe a hard sell by the hockey commissioners around the country, but I think it would improve the safety of the game. Would the North Dakota ever have coaches on? <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, they they might not ever see the ice again. Well, they probably wouldn't have any alums behind the bench. <laughs> I'm well, kidding, folks. I also folks. think there should be a degree, uh, much like you know, I think basketball has it with their flagrant fouls i think football needs it and i also think hockey because i mean some of these are really obvious if a guy's got his back to you if you're seeing numbers you can't go through with your check with a cross check or any kind of hit like that i mean there's some where a guy is taking a shot or goes down and he's he's up full then he goes down because he's leaning in on the shot or something that happens split second where a guy's almost you know arm hits a guy's head because the guy fell not fell but went down into position to shoot i feel like there's got to be a little bit of a you know some are pretty obvious it was intent and some are hey this is a fast game and it's accidental i think there should be some kind of um way to judge that you know kicking a guy out to giving him a five to getting a two and a ten you know something like that i think but you know, that might get people more confused. So who the hell I think putting that on the refs is difficult. I think that's where the commissioners step in with the additional suspensions. If there's a player who who clearly is being reckless, that's what to me deserves a suspension. When it's the player who's making a split second call at the same point, we're trying to take those hits out of college hockey. Sure. So it's on the player a little bit not to make such a violent hit to a player who is maybe going to be vulnerable because the idea of a hit is to separate the player from the puck, not to send a message in college hockey. Yeah, it's tough, and and it'll never be perfect, and there's going to be times where a guy has no intention of doing it and does it, and he's going to get it, but you're in the long in the long run, that's going to benefit everybody. And we're just trying to make the you know the game safe. I mean, you, you see, you know, some of these players over the years, you know, with the concussions and everything, um, it's not looking great. So they're just trying to, you know, prevent it from getting that far. And, and you got to start somewhere. You got to start at the youth leagues and, and into the college and onto the pros eventually. Uh, you just have to kind of build up a different attitude, you know, with the how you play out there. Yeah, I mean, I remember when all the rules changed after the lockout in 2004 and 5, um, when all the hooking and holding mm-hmm. and all the stick play was taken out. And I'll remember this forever. I might, I'm in preseason. I'm playing um, for Bridgeport in the AHL, and we have a you know it's preseason hockey, and this is like the first real year it's been implemented and i'm telling you there were more penalties than you can imagine like you didn't play i don't think we played five on five for 10 minutes of the game because guys just you play you were playing the way you've always played you know a little hook here a little slash there and 
they they just went from zero to a thousand in terms of the rules, and it slowly over that game to the the season to the next year changed the game. I mean, and now you see it. There's none of those are are let go, and everybody's the game is so much faster. I mean, go back and watch the 2004 like Stanley Cup Finals. I think it was Calgary and Tampa Bay, and you just you watch a guy dump a puck in, and the defenseman just peels him off into the boards and like <laughs> rides them. And you're just like, wow, that's how it used to be. And that's not that long ago. No. And you see where it is now. And it's, it's just a faster, smoother game. And I think that's going to be, a, you know, has to be a slow build up with the hitting as well. Um, but you know, some of them are just so obvious. I think it's just the other mm-hmm. smaller ones that guys need to get away from more. I think one thing that those rule changes have also done Viggs is actually allowed the, college players to go on to the NHL and have more success. I mean, a lot of times, typically in the past, a lot of times the college players were a little bit smaller. And and it seems like the NHL is much more friendly for the smaller player these days than it was pre, you know, 2004. Well, I think the game has just been opened up more. You watch some of the old highlights of Mario Lemieux coming up the ice, and you understand why he walks with a limp still today. Because every time he had the puck, he was getting banged around, held, whatnot. The game's different. I think it's better. It's more fun to watch to see guys have the ability to make skill plays. And I just wish they carried that through into overtime and the playoffs as well. (laughs) Because you can say that the ref is changing the game, but they're also changing the game when they don't make the calls. That is true. I mean, I, I've had the frustration for years in college and in pros. You know, late in the game, you see a guy get cross-checked right out in front of that, knocked on his butt, nothing called. Uh, it's always been a huge frustration of me. I'm like, it's clear cross-check, guy got knocked down, they just kind of let it go. Um, and that's still some of the things we, they need to f- clean up, but uh, one can only hope. Well, this weekend we've got your alma mater coming into town here, Cappy. Ohio yeah. State are at the top of the league right now. They're you know ahead by one point on Michigan State, um, uh, but things are looking pretty good for your old Buckeyes. Yeah, I mean, I was there Friday night, and uh, you know I've seen you know plenty of Big Ten hockey this year, and I I could say I was lucky maybe enough to see maybe the most exciting game we've had. Um, maybe this year to date. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very surprising. I don't know if you guys kind of caught up on any of that. Well, I watched, I watched but, the entire game. It was very entertaining because um, they did nothing. Well, the mo- they did nothing most of the game. And then third period, <laughs> they just woke up. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what's it's, it's key to this team. And, you know, not everyone says it, but, not everyone is able to do it is, you know, have the next man up mentality and not let an injury or, you know, a missing some players affect you. Um, you look, you're down three, nothing to Notre Dame in the third period. You're like with 10 minutes to go still. And you're like, okay, what, you know, this is over. Right. And mm-hmm. somehow they find a way uh, to tie a game. And I kind of, I think I tweeted this the next day. I'm like, you know, Ohio state comes back, ties this game up. Notre Dame gets the extra point in overtime, so both teams really win here. Um, because Ohio <laughs> State had no business getting anything out of that game, you know, near the end, and they somehow got it. And then Notre Dame gets two out of three points on the road. Uh, but the Buckeyes just, 
you know, they don't score a lot, but somehow find a way to score that night. Uh, and then, you know, with the backup goalie, again, he plays the next night and came up big for them in the third period. Yeah, he had uh, 12 or 14 saves with a 2-1 lead in the third. And, you know, they're finding ways. You know, sometimes I said this about Notre Dame in the past. You look at their roster sometimes like, man, how are they getting this done? Or they're doing it shorthanded or they're down and they find a way. And some teams just have that built inside of them with guys that have been there before, guys that are now older guys that have slowly built up over the years to learn the quote-unquote way how to get things done when things are tough. And uh, I think that's what the Buckeyes are doing right now. Because, you know, you look at their roster, it's it's pretty good. Um, but it's not one that, you know, come jumps off the page at you um, mm-hmm. from top to bottom. But they're, they're fine ways, and, and guys, are, guys are buying in. How is the uh, the the main goalie looking? <laughs> well, it's, it's I, kind I of uh, up in the air, isn't I it? Just, yeah, day to day. Um, <laughs> Tommy Napier. Yes, uh, he's got a he had a little bit of a sprained ankle, and I guess he played the whole game. He heard it against Wisconsin the Friday game and played with it throughout. Didn't tell anyone until after the game, and uh, then didn't obviously play the Saturday. And then I. I He's a, he's questionable this weekend. I, I don't know if he's skated, but, um, you know, the young guy played pretty well, but clearly, uh, if Napier's in that, it's, it's definitely going to be, it'd be a little more difficult task for the Gophers. Well, let me tell you, Viggs, um, as we've seen in the past, the Gophers can make a backup goalie look pretty good. <laughs> Sometimes they do. I think <laughs> this year's Gopher team matches up pretty well with a team like Ohio State because they're not as high pressure as some of the teams like Penn State. Penn State's just an awful matchup for the Gophers right now until their defensemen get a little bit more confidence and their forwards get a little stronger on pucks. But I feel like a team like Ohio State is a better matchup for Minnesota. I know Ohio State plays a real tight structure, especially through the neutral zone. Uh, and they, they don't give up very many shots, and I think that's a strength of them. I think it's going to be entertaining hockey this weekend. I just will be interested to see if Ohio State is able to suffocate Minnesota like they can with some teams. Any word on Reedy's injury? Did you, have you heard anything from uh, media availability this week there, Weeks? Uh, I, I think it could be iffy for him this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, it's kind of one of those injuries where it's hard for him to get back and, and play full strength. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't count on him this weekend, but you never know. He's an older player, so he'll know what to do. And if I recall, he went down in the third period of the USA uh, exhibition game, correct? Yeah, they'd kind of set their top guys on the bench for most of the third period. And then after the development team scored, Bob wanted to throw his top guys back out there to try to get the game back. And that's when he picked up his injury. So... It's kind of one of those things where I think the coach is regretting that decision just a little bit because <laughs> you'd like to have them because they're going to be playing here the next uh, six, seven weekends here all in a row. What do you I'll, think? I'll, Go ahead. Oh, I'll tell you. I mean, I, I mean, that's obviously a guy that's got 10 goals. That's, that would be a, a big blow. But the guy that stood out to me, uh, especially in the previous series with Ohio State, that I'd say maybe arguably the best player on the ice, for the series, definitely on Saturday was Sample Ranta. I he was. Yep. Looks like we lost Paul there a little bit. 
He's yeah. big. He's heavy. He's he hard is. to handle. He's like a freight train out there. And I, I think he's a guy that, you know, I I want to see keep keep building that. And and a team like against Ohio State where he can use his physical physical size and his speed, I think, can be a, a real game changer. Over. And, and Paul's kind of got a point there, um, Viggs. Um, Sample, <laughs> we need him to be strong. Uh, you know, if the team wants to make any noise, we don't think they're going to go very far. But if this team wants to start keep improving and keep getting better, we need guys like Ranta and Walker to really kind of step up and kind of put the team on their shoulders a little bit. Well, I think Ranta's been one of their most consistent players this year. Um, you know, he worked really hard this offseason to actually lose a little bit of weight. He was a little top-heavy, and so he lost some you know, mass in his upper body and he actually put on a little extra fat to kind of help his recovery from one game to the next. And I think those body adjustments have really helped him on the ice. He's looked strong the entire year. Uh, and you know, the coaching staff is saying he hasn't lost a step during the season, even playing in the world juniors. Mm -hmm. And he's a player that they can count on to possess the puck you know, draw some penalties, take the puck to the net, and especially if they're missing a guy like Scott Reedy, they need more players like that. Mm-hmm. What about in Golviegs, Mo or Lafontaine? <laughs> oh man, I don't know what to make of this goaltending crew this season. Uh, it's so up and down. We talk about uh, the inexperience of this year's team. The goaltending has been a mystery. Just when you think it's going, it's gone. Just when you think it's gone, it's back. <laughs> I think each guy will probably get a game unless the guy plays lights out on Friday night. And I, you know, put him in a hat and pull him out for who gets the first game. And, and Cappy, it's just like you said, you know, with Michigan State, you know, you got some guy back in net there that's so strong. Maybe a team that's not as good can kind of play above their level and have a great season. And with the inconsistency Minnesota's had, that's kind of part of the, the problem. Yeah, I, I mean, I – just offhand right now, I'm thinking you would go with Mo on Friday night after, you know, his shutout against, mm -hmm. you know, MSU. I, I didn't see who did they split on Saturday or Friday night against USA or I didn't see. Yeah, they lost that night. They, oh, yeah, who did closer play? closer got the whole night. Oh, he so, did. Oh, so I think going, of them played. Yeah, neither of them played going into okay. the, the night. I think. Coach wanted to play more than one guy, but closer right. played pretty solid and deserved the opportunity. And I okay. also think the coach didn't want to tip his hand to who was the number two <laughs> by playing oh, some right. either. I, I, and I don't think I don't think he knows for sure. To be honest, I think he's trying to find the guy. I mean, shoot, uh, two years ago, I'm watching Notre Dame early in their first year in the Big Ten, and they haven't played a Big Ten game yet. I actually went and saw them play. They're playing. Omaha and Sacred Heart, and it was between it was it was uh, Morris and Saint Cyr. Morris was a sophomore, Saint Cyr was a freshman, and they were both given up. I mean, Sacred Heart scored five on them. Omaha scored six, and you're like, who's gonna? You know, they're just gonna go back and forth. They're two young goalies to figure it out. Well, I remember I did their first game against Ohio State. They they beat them three to one, and that started a 16 game winning streak. And mm. and Kale Morris has not lost the net since, so I think they're still wait. They'd love to see Jared Moe or or Lafontaine, whoever, just take it. Obviously, it's not easy to do, 
And, you know, so that's why I'm thinking Mo is the guy coming off of a shutout at Michigan State where he played pretty well. He didn't have to make 48 saves, but he played pretty well. And you could I remember seeing his emotion when that buzzer went off uh, winning that game. And I'm like, this guy wants it. You know, he you know, he's got some pretty good talent there. Uh, so I'd like to see him get that start Friday. This is just my opinion with the young guy and see what happens because you never know when a guy can take it. And then you always still have LaFontaine, who's a, who's a pretty reliable guy, too, uh, could a- end up doing it as well. Well, there you go. Cappy says Moe's starting. <laughs> well, I, that's just, hey, if I was a coach and I had a guy shut out Michigan State the night after we lose, yeah. I'm going to give him the next game and yeah. see what happens from there. Well, based that's on how true. Bob's handled the goaltending position, that's what I would expect to see. But he hasn't been very predictable either with how he's played the goalies. I think LaFontaine came into the season. He's the more veteran player. I'm going to give him first chance at it, but I'm still going to give Mo some experience. We got through the season here a little bit. LaFontaine got a couple back-to-back weekends, and then after that first game, he gives Mo a chance. I think he starts with Mo, and if Mo plays lights out, then maybe he gets two games in a row. Uh, But Mo didn't do very well last time he got that opportunity either, so it's hard to see. This would be considered two in a row right even though they're two weeks apart (laughs) it would be well well also this weekend uh vegs it's uh it's doug woog night on uh, saturday night and it's also military appreciation weekend as well but uh finally you know minnesota kind of gets its its night to to celebrate the wooger yeah it'll be nice you know all the family will be there it wasn't possible last uh, time they were trying to pay tribute to the wooger because of the the funeral and things that they had going on but they'll have testimonials during the game to play on the video board and uh it should be a nice night to celebrate somebody who meant so much to the go for hockey program cabby did you ever get a chance to meet the wooger i didn't you know uh, but the name i always remember i remember playing when I was in Omaha, the game, college games, you, you, you would uh, hear, you know, because Minnesota was on every weekend, mm-hmm. and you hear his name all the time, and they talk about the history there, and that name was just Minnesota hockey, when you didn't know much about Minnesota hockey as a not, you know, non-growing up yep. around there. So that was definitely the first name you thought of um, when you heard about gopher hockey was, was Booger. And it'll be fun, you know. It's it's uh, it's, it's you know you got you got Ohio State coming in, you know that team's, you know a lot of the fans are still going to say, oh, I don't care about playing Ohio State. Well, yeah, you got to shut up now because Ohio State's been pretty good for a while now, um, and the rest of the Big Ten is pretty darn good now too, uh, except for maybe Wisconsin. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm we, sure we that that hurts all the Minnesota fans. Well, I right? you know, but but the thing is. I, I think the Big Ten needs a healthy Wisconsin to have a healthy league. Um, oh, for sure. I, I mean, there's a lot of tradition there. They've won titles. Um, but they're kind of in the same boat that Minnesota's in, Viggs. They're just – they're young. Uh, they've got a lot of young talent, probably more young talent than Minnesota, but they just can't quite get it together. I think it just proves that it's really hard to have a team of 18 and 19 year olds compete at big time college hockey these days. I'm a little surprised that we're not hearing any heat on uh, coach Granago's uh, chair right now, but he has not done very well at Wisconsin. He's kind of embraced trying to get as many first round type talents as he can into the program. 
and they just have not produced. And it's it's surprising. I think a healthy Wisconsin's good for the Big Ten, but they are uh, they're under expectations right now. Not yeah. that not that Minnesota is any better right now, but you know Minnesota is in sixth place, but they do have two games in hand, and you know a, a good weekend this weekend would you know, kind of vault vault them up a little bit. Um, yeah. uh, but I, I, I actually I thought that both Minnesota and Wisconsin would be, you know, third or fourth, you know, kind of around there. I didn't think Wisconsin would be this bad, Cappy. No, and I, uh, you know, it's just you gotta wonder, you know. And I was never near any kind of this situation as a player, but when you come in and you know, there's so much talk. There was all so much hype about these guys, and. You watch them play, and they're really good players. But I've seen it, you know, even with with uh, you know some of them taking frustrating penalties because things aren't, you know, they. Ex- I think they came in to expect to not things to be easy, but to go better. And and you know, I think it's hard as an eighteen year old with such expectations on you to be this guy. You're gonna play one and done. And that's the other thing too is I think I don't know, and I can't speak for them, but it looks at times maybe with guys that they're not they're worried about the long term where they're going to be next year Mm -hmm. or where their pro prospects are as opposed to enjoying your time in college and and being part of that 100 percent like i said i have no inside scoop on that it just looks like it's and it's got to be hard for them you know you have a lot of people in your ear you have a lot of fans you have social media telling you this and that and then and then it's not as easy as it looks (laughs) when you get there and, you know, it's it's a growing up, it's a good tool. It'll probably help them in the long run when they do go pro, when you have some, you know, some failure a little bit. Uh, but I just think it's a lot harder than, than you think and, and, and all the buildup and hype you get. Uh, it's not easy to deal with. Um, and it's, it's, it's had them struggle a little bit. Uh, the, the Vigs, the one thing I will say is, you know, Wisconsin might not be doing well this year, um, but they do have the talent. In a one game or a couple game scenario, they could knock off the top team, in, in, or the top team they would play in the Big Ten playoffs. I mean, they've got the talent; they could put it together. And I, I wouldn't surprise me at all if they, if they were to do something like that. Yeah, they're kind of a similar boat to Minnesota, where they could get hot in a conference tournament and get through. I would just be surprised if this Wisconsin team is there because of the way Cappy was talking about all these guys with mm-hmm. their. But their mindset is to be professional hockey players. I don't think their mindset is to be NCAA champions. And so Don Lucia always used to say he felt good going into the tournament when he had guys who were focused on that goal, not mm-hmm. the next goal. And with a team like Wisconsin has constructed right now, you just don't get that feeling. You don't see that intensity and purpose in their play. Oh, and that's I, and too one- one other big aspect, and, 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 and it's not one guy, but their, their goaltending hasn't been great either. And when you're not getting that, get that, like I said, it's the most important position in hockey, not even close, and in sports right there. You're not getting that, and you have a, a little doubt in that. You know, you might try to do more than you should try to do as a player. And the perfect example of that is, is look at Michigan now. They've, they look like they've found their goalie too now with Strauss Mann. And I think mm-hmm. that's bolstered them. They took, they've taken 11 of their last 12 points on the road at Notre Dame and at Penn State. And I, I think it correlates right back to that, that position. You know, I, exactly. I was thinking the same difficult. 
I was thinking the same thing. Michigan, all of a sudden, you know, after being at the bottom of the league, all of a sudden, look out. They're putting it together, and they're doing it against the good teams as well. So it's going to be an interesting end of the season because, you know, from here on out, Viggs, there are no more weekends off. It's solid games until the end of the season. It's put up or shut up for the Gophers. That's right. And I just want to tie one more kind of tangent onto this thing about players looking ahead or okay. young teams. Sure. You know, we've got one team that's kind of a outlier right now, and that's Boston College. And that's because their young player, Spencer Knight, goaltender, is playing lights out. And I think as we talk about goaltending is the most important position for a lot of teams. If it's solid, you're going to be successful. If it's shaky, it's hard to overcome. And I think that's the thing that's going to determine what happens here for the season for all these teams in the Big Ten. That's why Michigan State's doing so well this season is they've got somebody they can count on. Uh, we'll see what can happen here with Ohio State maybe having to go to their backup and Minnesota still trying to find a number one. Yeah, but right. let's just think where goaltending was in the Big Ten three years ago. Uh, and I love Eric Shearhorn, and he was a really good goalie. But, he, he, you know, the save percentages, I think, you know, you were, you were a good, solid goalie in the Big Ten if you were like 905. And right now the numbers are 950, 935, 933. And goals against averages are 1.6 and 1.9. And it's the evolution of goaltending the Big Ten has changed a lot in the last couple of years. And uh, it's showing how important you're not the scoring. I think there's only like four or five guys in conference play that have scoring more than a point a game, Mm -hmm. which is in five, three of the five, I think, are in Penn State. So um, the league has really evolved the last couple of years and become much more about defense and goaltending. Well, let's get your prediction on the weekend, Viggs. <laughs> split, wait, wait, what, split what obviously. Last time? Uh, what happened last uh, Ohio State-Minnesota <laughs> prediction? <laughs> you were close. You just had the wrong – you had to switch the two. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I wasn't right either. I wasn't right either. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think I see a split coming this weekend. I think Minnesota playing at home is going to help. The big ice should help Minnesota a little bit. I think it's hard for a team like Ohio, Ohio State to play their style on the big ice. makes it a little bit easier for Minnesota. Getting the matchups at home should help them. They'll be able to figure out where they want to put their young defensemen out on the ice. And uh, the only caveat on this is i i'm interested to see how they play if they have to go without scott reedy because he is such an important player to their team okay cappy you're gonna pick a split too (laughs) man you know what i i was thinking that and i was gonna go maybe with like one of the games in overtime Uh Um, but i actually i think when i look at it now i actually think minnesota is gonna take four out of six Mm. they're going to they're going to win, win one, and then they are going to. Ohio State is going to win a overtime three on three or shootout in the other game. So I'm going a little more in depth for you there, but um, um, it's going to be a go for sweep, guys. Okay, I'm just going. I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying to send some positive vibes to this team. Come on, they cannot. The power of the Wooger will motivate them. On there Saturday. you go. There you go. Maybe. Uh, well, I think that's gonna... a no-brainer for Saturday, but if Friday night is anything like you know two weeks ago, that's where you know maybe not happening a or, a, or a Buckeye win. Not happening. It's going to be go for sweep, man. 
Part part of me wonders if uh, the coach breaks out the two by four on Friday morning. There you He's go. He's usually been breaking it out on Saturday morning. I wonder if you know the the exhibition game performance and all that. He breaks it out Friday morning and tries to change it up and change the tone. Bring it on, bring it on. Get out the big two by four, smack them around. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> no, I mean this would definitely. You know, I think. You know, Michigan gained their confidence a couple weeks ago, and they're riding it. I mean, Minnesota, you get a young, dangerous team. You get them confident. You get a hot goalie, possibly, and Jared Moe. You know, you start riding them. I love these six-point weekends. I mean, things can change real fast in the standings, and there's nobody running away with the Big Ten this year. That's what I think is so fun. That's you got three teams within a point of each other, pretty much. You know, it's not like two years ago with Notre Dame and last year Ohio State was pretty much ahead. This year it is uh, it's pretty up for, the gra- up for grabs. Well, it's going to be a fun weekend either way, Viggs. You know, you know, kind of finally getting back into the in the groove here after, you know, the long winter break and then, you know, just haven't really gotten it back together yet. Um, and plus the Wooger thing, it's uh, college hockey's back at Minnesota. Let's go. Well, there's center stage now. Football season's done around here, so – this is their time to to take an opportunity and and draw some attention to themselves. And it is kind of a window right now. You know, the Wild are struggling. Vikings are done. Timberwolves are in the abyss right now. They've got <laughs> some time here before the Twins lineup that's going to bring the rain comes into play. So they've got a chance here to maybe draw some attention to themselves. And I think if any sport, if anybody, and I, you know, you guys know this better than me, but if any sport can get hot and any team in the area that could like bring some real jam to that city is go for hockey. If they were to rip off five in a row or something like that, I think that would really start to make things kind of buzzing around in Minneapolis again. We need that buzz, Cappy. I I, I think they do. Everybody, I think the Big <laughs> Ten needs it. I think you want every everybody wants that. Yeah. You know. That was what it was envisioned when you had the Big Ten was mm-hmm. mighty Minnesota right there at the top, you know, and everyone else trying to stay with them. It's coming, man. It's coming. <laughs> I hope so. I love it. You know, I love it. Viggs, are you working on anything? NCAA tournament every oh. year, you know. Oh, go ahead. Uh, Viggs, are you working on anything at the Athletic right now? Not yet. Fighting for some space. There's oh, lots of yeah. competition out there. Now that the Vikings are out, we'll, we'll see. And then I, you're, I know you're going to might be doing a little attendance thing for GPL coming up, correct? Yep, that should be out for Friday morning reading. There you You'll go. get the scanned attendance numbers from last year and some uh, quotes from people around the program. All right. Remember, you can always follow Vigo at eVigo on Twitter. And, and Cappy, thanks for coming on with us again. Absolutely, fellas. I, I enjoy it every time I can uh... – can talk hockey for hours so uh, anytime you want to invite me on i'll come on and ramble all about it so well, well you're, you're, you're uh, considered one of our regular guests now so i that's that's i'm, <laughs> I'm happy with that uh, and hopefully i don't know what what feature we'll see on btn on saturday um i know they showed the the nanny one a yep. little bit yeah and uh the Dyna ones. I know I did a Sammy Walker one. Yeah, so we'll there see you what, go. Uh, the boys clipped together for uh, Saturday in between inter- intermissions. All right. Well, not well, my call. Well, <laughs> we know it's not your call. You would have had them all on already. So. Oh yeah, if I knew yeah, how so. to do that stuff, I'd be all over that. <laughs> 
Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the GPL podcast. You know, we'll be back next week to recap the Ohio State series and preview Bucky Badger. You know, for those of you listening live, stay tuned for a little bit of overtime. For the rest of you, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>